When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the South End Zone Podcast. I am your host, Hunter, and I am back from my suspension that was undeservedly given to me by my friends on the podcast. Uh, missed a few weeks. Some bitch named Ida came through and wrecked havoc on my hometown. So I spent the last few weeks, if it wasn't working, helping friends and family. And we're thinking about everybody that's been impacted by the storm throughout the country because it didn't just hit us down south. So thinking about everybody up north as well. With that said... Week one college football is in the books. We had quite a plethora of action to go over this week. But first, I want to bring in the other three guys that joined me this week. Jason, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Glad to be here. Holy shit, man. What a week. That was a uh, just absolute wild first week of college football. I hope the rest of the season is even half that interesting, at least. But yeah, man, I'm doing great. It was certainly a lot of unexpected outcomes, a lot of surprises, and we'll get into those. But, Timmy, how are you this week? I am outstanding, man. Had a big W from the uh, Virginia Tech boys on Friday night. Went 3-1 and one in the picks. Life's good, man. And it didn't take you long to flex, did it? Nope. <laughs> Eric, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm, I'm a little busy licking my wounds over here. I did not go 3-1. and one, But uh, other than that, I'm good. It was it was a fun weekend. Um, you know, four, four days in a row, there was a game that I wanted to watch, so... Uh, back's a little sore from so much time in the recliner, but I'm, I'm day to day, but I'll be ready for Saturday. Sounds good. Well, we're going to get into those, the picks from last week later on in the show, but first of all, we just want to go over the a recap of, of what we had this weekend. Um, a lot of upsets, a lot of teams losing that, sh- in my opinion, had no business losing, but we learned a lot about some teams that we thought were good. Sometimes we, we some teams we thought were bad uh, ended up being pretty fucking good. To me, the the most shocking game, in my opinion, and call me a homer if you want, LSU-UCLA. Uh, LSU lost the battle up front on both sides of the ball. They lost the battle in the trenches. They couldn't run the football, had just 40 yards rushing total, which is uncharacteristic of LSU, in my opinion. Like you said, Timmy, uh, North Carolina-Virginia Tech, that was kind of a, a shocker game, in my opinion. Uh, Bama handled up on Miami. Uh, Georgia-Clemson, I mean, that one was kind of a split decision. I, I kind of thought Georgia was going to win, but it was much lower scoring than I thought. Um, Jason, what to you stood out about this weekend the most? Well, going right to the, you know, the biggest game of the weekend, possibly the season, Georgia and Clemson. I mean, most people nowadays, like they look at that game and they go, God, how boring, you know, I mean, just such a low scoring game, but it was, it was kind of a throwback to me, man. It was great to see like just a defensive battle, 
Georgia's defense is a fucking nightmare. Clemson, they didn't really, I don't know, they seemed really vanilla with their game planning. It just, there was no explosive plays really on either side of the ball. Just a real defensive, gritty, nasty three yards in a cloud of dust kind of game. And just, but overall, really fun to watch for somebody who enjoys something like that. Now, the second most glaring thing, you talked about it a little bit, LSU. I'm absolutely blown away that they got dominated physically like they did. I mean, I would like to publicly apologize for slamming Chip Kelly as hard as I have. But what uh, about publicly apologizing to me for slamming my pick? <laughs> yeah, man. You guys were unfair to Timmy last week. He called this shit and you shit we, all over we were, him. We were excessively mean. We'll that, get that's to fair that. To say. When, we were, yeah, we'll get to that when we review the picks. Okay. Yeah. You'll get your apology. Just you be patient over there. But I mean, going to like looking at LSU, Clay Travis actually tweeted about this. And I thought it was a really interesting point. Not to harp on this too much, but he, I was sitting there watching SEC Network the other night and, um, Gene Chizik was on TV talking about, you know, all the SEC games and stuff. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, man, Gene Chizik, that guy won a national title at Auburn with Cam Newton and two years later was fired. And the next day, Clay Travis tweets, Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron are Gene Chizik and Cam Newton 2.0. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, think about that. It's really, he ain't know, wrong, man. Catches lightning in a bottle with a quarterback. You know, wins the national title, falls off the next two years, ends up fired. The offensive coordinator from that championship team ends up coming back and taking the head coaching job, Malzahn. Wait for LSU to call Joe Brady if they fire Orgeron. I mean, that's a really – there's actually an article out there about it. Um, it was a really interesting read for anybody who wants to go check it out. Yeah, how big of a drop-off is it to go from Joe Burrow to Max Johnson, man? I, I don't mean to beat up on your boys, Hunter, but, you know. No, that, beat up on them. They deserve it. They they were fucking terrible, man. They couldn't They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't win a bet on the trenches. They couldn't do... We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. We just got our ass totally kicked. We sucked. They got their ass handed to him in the trenches. Them boys ran all over him all night long, and they knew it was coming, couldn't stop it. And then... The only team that I'll accept this kind of domination from, and as a longtime LSU fan watching over the years, the only team I am used to seeing this type of behavior from is Alabama, not UCLA. Well, I'll tell you what, them Bama boys put it on them Miami kids real good. How about that? That they did. That was that was fucking embarrassing <laughs> yeah. if you're a Miami fan. Well, I thought it would take like a quarter and a half or two quarters to really see Bama start to pull away. But from the first snap, it was on, man. Like I, I thought they would come out with kind of a vanilla running game and let Bryce Young sort of ease into the job. But, man, that dude was slinging it all over the place. It looked like they were in midseason form, like ready to play whoever. I mean, it pretty unbelievable how big the gap was between those two teams yeah i'm with you on that one man i I called it last week when i said miami was going to get pretty much shut out on offense and that hold true but i did not expect alabama to come out and their offense be as well oiled as it was man that was that was quite a you know a performance from them yeah i mean uh didn't bryce young tie a record uh, I think so, yeah, for a freshman passing. I mean, he went for like um, 344, four touchdowns. I mean, the dude was just – he was lights out. But there again, Miami had a – I mean, they lost Bubba Bolden to a targeting penalty, and that crushed him, man. Like any hope they had of defending the pass ended with that. I mean, he was actually in on just about every play that was happening. 
But once he went down, it was all she wrote, man. I mean, they were just – nobody could cover Bama's receivers for Miami's defense. I mean, it was just – they were completely and utterly overmatched at that point, and they made De'Eric King do what he can't do, and that's beat teams with his arm. They didn't let him run the ball. And it was just a beat down from minute one. I'll tell you one that that I want to talk about and get Eric's take on because I know he was watching it. Was what what the f- happened to Indiana, man? What happened to Penix? Uh, well, I I, I I didn't actually watch that one. I was watching. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I watched it, and it was. I mean, I picked Indiana to upset them. I mean, I feel yeah, like I, a complete I checked the idiot. score here and there, and that one seemed like it got out of hand real quick in the second oh, quarter. I feel like an idiot for picking them. I mean. I talked about them in our Big Ten preview saying they could be one of those teams that underachieved this year. Man, Penix looked like he had never played before. I mean, he'd just missing passes, missing his reads. And, I mean, he didn't get much help. He had some receivers that, you know, dropped a pass. One got deflected and picked for six. But my favorite tweet of the weekend was, you know (laughs) – it's like Michael Penix threw his helmet when he got into the locker room, but it was intercepted and returned for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went 14 of 31 for 156 yards, three interceptions for a total, grand total QB rating of 14.3. I'm not going to get it done. I did not see that one coming. No, me either. Yeah, I'll, and I'll tell you what, 14.3 sounds bad. And then when you consider if he'd have just taken all 31 of those balls and chucked him into the fourth row of the stands, he'd have been at 39.6. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something like that earlier. If you throw every pass into the dirt, it's a 39.6. <laughs> yeah. If you just compl- incomplete, wrong. you know, every attempt incomplete, 39.6. Yeah. I don't, I don't get the I math, wonder if but... the 14 of 31 includes the three picks. Probably not. One team we haven't touched on at all yet that, really deserves a conversation here. Well, what I'd like to call the South End Zone Podcast Soda Slam Kickoff Classic featuring Dr. Thunder, a.k.a. Spencer Rattler, taking on the men of Mountain Dew, otherwise known <laughs> as the Green Wave of Tulane. Um, Dr. Thunder, to me, came out, looked a bit flat, if you know what I mean. Woo, son. He, he killed those guys in the second quarter, and after that, he was really wishy-washy. And, yeah, probably not the start he wanted to uh, to have for – what was looking like a, maybe a, a Heisman campaign type of season. He he, he just yeah. – he didn't look like a guy who should be in that conversation. Yeah, well, I took the under in that game. Good Lord. I didn't expect Tulane to drop 35 points on OU's defense. I mean, what what the hell was Oklahoma doing on defense? I didn't watch the game. Did any of you guys actually see? I, I watched um, the middle two quarters and then part of the fourth. They didn't tackle well. Tulane's quarterback did a really good job of moving the pocket and evading pressure and then getting rid of the ball. But, man, once the ball was out, Oklahoma just did a shit-ass job of tackling. That, that was the biggest thing is extending drives, extending drives, because they're missing tackles. Well, it is the Big yeah. 12. You know, Spencer Rattler, like I was going to say, he's he went 30 of 39. He wasn't awful. You know, 304 yards, one touchdown, two picks. That really hurt him. But to me, the surprising story is, like you said, Tulane, Pratt threw for 296 yards and three touchdowns against the number two team in the country, which is why I, I, I'm always against preseason rankings. They're, they're just so often incorrect, as we found out once again this week. Uh, I think they're all there just to generate hype and uh, ratings for TV, but this game should not have been that close. Um, are we, should, be, should we be sounding the alarm for Oklahoma here? I don't think so, because 
at the end of the day, nobody in the Big 12 plays good defense. So as long as they're able to light up the scoreboard, that's all that matters in their conference. And that'll be good enough, in my opinion, to make them, you know, in the conversation for the playoff at the end of the year. And then if they do get in, they'll probably end up getting steamrolled. So I don't think a lot of teams played any good defense this week. I mean, can we just talk about how many teams lost to FCS or Group of Five programs this week? Yeah. That was that was the game I was waiting to come up. We were talking about stinker performances. <laughs> St- Washington, Washington yes. lost at home to Montana, an FCS school. That, that that that's not supposed to happen that way. Oh my goodness! Did I, they pay them to come in there and beat them? Yeah, I mean they were yeah, favored they, to win the North this year. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Because what, what what were they ranked? Like 15, 18, something like that. They 20th, were twentieth, I think. 20th okay yeah they were ranked 20th oh well yeah lost 13-7 they scored touchdown in the first quarter and that was all she wrote for the for the Huskies looking ahead to Michigan that had to be and I think that's I think that's a big part of it is I don't think they my guess Iowa State's the same way for that matter I think they were probably thinking hey big game week two you know playing playing a team we should beat by 35 week one and and I question how focused they were on the game they were actually playing because Iowa State looked like dog shit too. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing about the Huskies. Uh, Next week, I wouldn't be surprised to see them trot out old Brock Heward's nephew out there, that freshman I was talking about a couple weeks ago to start a quarterback, man, because they need a spark. Well, it can't get much worse than losing to an FCS school in week one, so why the fuck not? Yeah, well, you know, another team we haven't touched on yet that – we all expected, me, myself included. I wasn't on last week's show, but I agreed with everything you guys said with about hating on Florida State. But how about that game went to overtime? Notre Dame squeaking it out 41-38. I know that a lot of people have like crazy overreactions to Notre Dame in this game and their defense and that kind of stuff. But look, just going back and looking at that game and trying to kind of detach from the emotional you know, thoughts you might have with regard to Notre Dame's defense and giving up those kind of points to Florida State – that was a tough-ass environment, man. I mean, it was energized. They were all like, you know, the band spelled out Bobby on the field. It was like a – just Mackenzie Milton got back in the game. I mean, it was like a magical, crazy college football atmosphere. And Notre Dame, man, by the end of that game, they were like, let's get the fuck out of here with a W. And just thank God we won. We got a lot to, you know, decipher and – get better at on the tape. I feel like Brian Kelly was just like, thank God we got the hell out of there with a win. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch that game in its fullest. Uh, I had to go to bed to get up and go to work the next morning, but I saw that it was, it was looking like it might go to overtime. And then I did see it went to overtime as I was going to bed. And I said, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not getting sucked into this shit because last year I got sucked into that LSU Texas A&M game when I had to work the next morning. Well, Eric touched on it a little bit about Norvell being the guy, but not this year, not week one. But I I, I got to be honest, man. I'm kind of encouraged with what I saw from them. And, yeah, granted, it was Notre Dame. They were up for it, all that kind of stuff. And they may fall off some after that. But to me, it looked like they had some real difference makers up front, especially on defense. You know I mean? They were pushing Notre Dame's offensive linemen around. And we all know Notre Dame recruits fucking beasts for offensive line. So – I'm kind of encouraged from what I'm, you know, what I saw from Florida State, and if they can get up and play like that every week, <laughs> I feel like they could, 
you know, maybe go bowling or win some more games this year than we all expected them to win. Yeah, Clemson's yeah, yeah. still the class of the conference, but the tides could be shifting in the ACC with a couple of these teams making some noise this week. I don't know, man. Well, did a wor- did a conference have a worse start to the season than the ACC? I mean, their top three teams all got steamrolled. Yeah, Georgia Tech lost to an FCS team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the only team in the ACC that actually had a good game was NC State. You wouldn't call Virginia Tech beating the number 10 team in the country a good game? But what, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about teams that, you know. Played out of conference, right? Yeah, that played out of conference or played, you know. I mean, yes, Virginia Tech beating North Carolina was a great win for them. Yes, so you want to include them, Virginia Tech, NC State. Outside of that, pretty pedestrian. I have a question for Eric. Eric, I just wanted to get your opinion on How's the Gus bus treating you? I mean, I've got a pretty comfortable ride over here. How about you? I mean, decent. They it was a, it was a bumpy start. Um, the the road was not very the road was not very the road is not very smooth for about a quarter and a half. The pick six really really just set them it back. Did. But it did. That's a, I mean that's a fourteen point swing. They're on the the what the three when they snapped yeah. that. Ball. I mean, yeah, so, that hurt. But yeah, um, I think UCF is in a spot where you know they've. They've been the, the most vocal group of five team about wanting you know to play with the big boys and wanting to belong, and they've had their last two coaches in three years get poached by power five teams, and they end up with a guy I think who's probably better than either of the other two. So I mean the the Gus Bus offense racked up five hundred and seventy three yards against Boise State. Granted, they were at home, they weren't at Boise, but Boise's no pushover. You know, I mean that's a that's a good competition for for UCF, but the way they could run the ball, I mean two hundred and fifty five yards rushing. With an average of five point three yards per carry on forty-eight attempts, you know that that's that's something to be said yeah, there. It, you know, forty-eight's a lot. But. Yeah, that game went exactly how I thought it would go for two and a half quarters. Halfway through the second quarter, on that's kind of how I thought the whole game would go. And I mean, Boise State got some good breaks. You know, some lucky breaks early. Welcome to the Gus Malzahn experience, man. You. Got- yep. Oh yeah, no the the Gus bus is a wild ride. Or yeah, it can be a wild ride. No doubt. I bet that game at minus five. It pushed. So, I mean, he didn't lose me any money, but starting out twenty one to zip, I was like, God, here we go. And then he comes back and wins. I was like, Yep, right, typical, yeah. And a quarter quarter and a half in, you're turning off the game, thinking you're on a loser, and then oh hey, no, that's exactly what happened. I told Hunter, I was like, I'm not watching this. I'm going to bed. Fuck this. And he was like, You give up too easy. And they ended up winning and pushing. <laughs> I was like, Well, you do. <laughs> Yeah, three minutes into the third quarter of that UCLA game, he's over here like, oh, warm up the bus, it's over. <laughs> yeah. And then LSU, Butte streaming down the sideline once again on one of his three touchdowns, and we're back to a four-point game. I mean, that that, that game, 38-27, UCLA won. It, it was much closer than that, but uh, they just outlasted him. But uh, I'm not going to harp on that one anymore. I'm still pissed off about it. I'm embarrassed about it. I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. The only que- the only question that I've got left to ask about that game, how the fuck did Michigan let Charbonnet get away from them? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could start for just about any team in America. Did he transfer from Harbaugh? Yeah. Yeah. Transferred oh, oh from my. Michigan, to, went to UCLA, and dude, that guy, I mean, he, if he went to Bama right now, he's starting. If that's not an indictment on Harbaugh, I don't know what is. That's a, that's a tale about Harbaugh and the, the shit fucking system he's – managed to compile over there at Michigan, but that was a good move on his part because now he's on a, in my opinion, not just because they beat LSU, but two convincing victories for UCLA back to back in an offense that looks very well. 
He's going to continue to get the rock too, man. That's right. Well, we'll see how they respond. I think it's real interesting on that note for both teams because LSU. Who, who is they? LSU and UCLA because LSU after that kind of loss they could pack it in, or they could you know rally and have a good season still because they still got their whole conference schedule to play. And UCLA, nobody's sleeping on them anymore. Everybody knows they're for real. So well. LSU has a home game this weekend against McNeese State, the local college in my hometown. And if they struggle against McNeese State, I'm going to be seriously concerned. And I will agree with all of you that Ed Orgeron can begin to pack his bags. Because if he struggles against McNeese State, his his tenure at LSU is is just it's a matter of time. What is McNeese State's color scheme uniform-wise? Do, do they wear sissy blue? Blue and yellow. They're the Cowboys, blue <laughs> sissy and yellow. blue. Cause, I mean, because if, if they wear sissy blue, it's not Ed's sissy in blue. It's royal blue. <laughs> it's not sissy blue. We're not going to have PTSD over here, and it's not a, a glossy gold. It's like the same kind of yellow as LSU. All right, he, he should be fine then. Other than other than USC handling up on San Jose State, which we don't need to go into that because they they are who I they are who we thought they were. They, oh, good God! But, oh yeah, my they God! Are, they are who we thought they were until the fourth <laughs> quarter when they scored seventeen points and pulled away. They are who we thought they were. What does it matter, man? They closed them out. 30-7. to seven. What do you want? Oh, we're not going to flex on USC beating San Jose State, are we? Are we going to do that? No, no. I just wanted to get All Jason right. riled up because I know he hates USC. But the one team we have not discussed so far is Jason's boys, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, trying to row the boat against Ohio State. We thought they were going to do it for a minute, but Ohio State was able to outlast them. Jason, do you have anything you want to say? First thing, I hate it for their running back. Eric will touch on his injury in a minute, but, man, that – you talk about taking the air out of a team. <laughs> God, man, when that guy went down, you could tell, like, the whole crowd, the whole team, just it just sucked the wind out of the place, man. So, I hate that that kid's gone for the season. He's uber talented. I hope he can, you know, recover and get back. But Ohio State, man, they – you know, that quarterback, I was impressed with him. I really was. He – uh for a guy who's never attempted a college pass to go into an environment like that, pretty impressive. They look like the second most talented team in the country to me behind Alabama. They have got freaks of nature all over the place, especially at the running back position. I mean, they just – it was still a really good game to watch, but like I say, I hate it for their running back. That When I saw his leg pop, man, it just made me cringe. I hate it for him. Uh, Eric, you want to talk about some injuries updates for us? Uh <laughs> Yeah, there's there's some to talk about, unfortunately. Um, and you know, we'll start off with uh, Mo Ibrahim, Minnesota running back. He, what they're calling a lower leg injury, um, and looked an awful lot like a torn Achilles, uh, from what I saw. He is done for the year. Uh, another guy who's out for the year, uh, Ronnie Bell, wide receiver, Michigan, uh, knee injury. A little less impactful um, is. Georgia lost a guard, Tate Ratledge. He broke a couple bones in his foot. He's out for the year. I think they're going to have an easier time replacing him than any of these other teams are. Yeah, I mean, that's a big loss for Michigan. I mean, he's like their most dynamic playmaker, isn't he? He's either 1 or 1A, one yeah. Uh, going over to Alabama, linebacker Christopher Allen. Um, he also foot injury, so I would assume, you know, unless it's like a, a list Frank or something, I, I would assume he broke bones. Um, he's out for the year. And then Clemson uh, came out of that game against Georgia down a couple of guys. Uh, safety, Landers. Uh, I'm not, I'm sorry, not Landers. Landon Zanders. Um, they didn't say what, just that it's a shoulder injury. Uh, but he's. it's going to require surgery. He's done for the year. And then EJ Williams, a wide receiver for them. 
thankfully he'll be back. Uh, their thumb injury and they're, they said they're looking at four to six weeks, but, um, those, those are the big ones that, uh, that I know of. Unfortunately, well, lucky for Clemson, they don't play anybody the rest of the season. So, right. And that, I mean, may actually work against them, but that might be a different topic for a different week. But right. yeah, those are the big ones. Uh, Ibrahim obviously is the, I don't want to say that, you know, the death blow, but man, that, like Jason said, that takes a lot of, a lot of wind out of the sails for them. Yeah, it he's, also takes a lot of wind out of my Minnesota going over. Pick. It does. That, that alone really honestly puts your over pick in jeopardy, in I my think opinion. So too. I was dependent on him to have a mm. massive season. And you better warm up them old vocal cords, weak man. <laughs> yeah. Know all the words to Rocky Top? I do. I'll grab my guitar and jam it. Just don't do it near okay. Steve Spurrier. <laughs> mm. You'll get the bird. <laughs> yep, you will. <laughs> Proven fact, man. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, well, we're going to go into our next segment here. We're going to be doing this every week. We're going to call this our Top Performers segment and what we're going to do is each one of us are going to take one player from offense one player from defense and we're going to discuss why we think they were the mvp if you will of the offense and the defensive side uh jason why don't you lead us off all right uh i'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball Uh, i'm not going to you know talk about this guy for you know three minutes but at missouri edge rusher senior blaze aldridge dude had 10 tackles three and a half sacks just a straight up Animal, really the only difference maker for Mizzou because they struggled in that game against Central Michigan. Now, granted, Central Michigan ain't a pushover, but you're an SEC team, man. Come on. But, I mean, he he look, he look looks like he plays for Globo Gym and with a name like Blaze. <laughs> Just, I like that guy. He's an animal. Like I say, 10 tackles, three and a half sacks. That's He's leading the country right now. So, he would be my impact defensive player. Yeah, so on the offensive side of the ball – I'm going to go over to Michigan State, uh, running back Kenneth Walker, the third, 23 carries, 264 yards, four touchdowns already. I mean, the dude just absolutely went off on Northwestern's defense. They could not stop him. First play of the game, 75-yard touchdown. I mean, he just he ran over around them. I mean, just under him, whatever. They, he did whatever he wanted to do, man. I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody was really talking about him. But interesting to see what he does the rest of the season. But Jesus Christ, I hope somebody can stop him better than Northwestern could. Mm, nicely done. Timmy, who you got coming up for us? So I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball. You know, he wasn't maybe the, the top performer on his team, but he definitely had the biggest impact in my opinion, and that's – uh DTR over there at UCLA, man. Oh, damn. Okay, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. (laughs) No, but seriously, man, um, you know, Jason. No, he was lights out. Jason, you know, said last week if you were going to put this game on his shoulders and say that he's going to sling the ball around, that he was going to take that L. Well, you know, he came out and he did exactly what he had to do. You know, he wasn't statistically fantastic you know nine of 16 but he threw for 260 and three touchdowns and those touchdowns were pretty huge man and he had that one big long 75 yarder to the big tight end who was rumbling downfield you know that kid caught three balls for a buck 17 he was torching them all night long but you know that was Robinson getting him the ball and those were really good throws and I thought he had a, a really good handle on the game Um, And I thought that his performance is what led them to victory. Because if they were going to rely solely on running the ball, 
that game might have gone down to the wire and even into overtime, but because of his performance, you know, they were able to hold on and make it a little bit more comfortable. Those crossing routes were killing LSU. Yeah, yeah, they were really were. Um, what wasn't killing LSU, honestly? Hmm. Well, they did have a good pass rush. Can we not rush. talk about this anymore? They did have a good pass rush and DTR, you know, he he didn't get shook, man. He when he got sacked, he'd stand back up and step the fuck up and make a good throw. I was actually impressed with him. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is he just avoided mistakes more than anything. And, you know, took care of the ball, didn't make any dumb decisions, didn't throw any behind the back passes. He just he, he was solid. <laughs> what what the fuck was that? Oh, no, saw, man. I've never seen, let alone an LSU quarterback, a quarterback in Division One football do what Max Johnson did there if i'm at ogeron i am pulling him out of the game immediately yeah. sam howell did the you same will learn thing from this mistake i, I don't what? i said sam howell did the same thing in the game ceiling interception like he's getting dragged to the ground and he's like throwing the ball when he's looking at the opposite end zone like what are you doing well that's the last play of the game that's not in the middle of the third yeah, quarter well, I mean, irrelevant. Yeah. Just either take the sack it's not, or... dude, because they got a field goal after that play. Luckily, it landed intercept. It landed incomplete, and they were able to get a field goal off of that. I understand he didn't want to take a sack. You take a sack there, you miss out on potentially three points. But it's better than giving up fucking seven. Well, that's what I'm saying. Just eat the sack. If that would that, have been... That would have been I, the smart play. I feel like play. if that would have been picked and taken the other way for six, I feel like he would have got pulled. He should have been pulled. Doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but you pull him right there and you make that guy learn. You do not do that. You should learn that in junior high school. I agree. Well, yeah, look at it this way. If Alabama's quarterback did that, how many steps onto the field would Saban take to pull that kid off by his ear? Nick Saban would have been halfway up his ass at the fucking 50-yard right. line. Right. He didn't put that fucking kid on a plane to some junior college like instantly. He's like, here's your fucking ticket. Get out of here. Yeah, Saban would have been like, don't even get on the bus, my man. You're done. Yeah, you're fired. Well, moving moving over to the defensive side of the ball, um, I'm going to say that uh, Justin Flows from Oregon, um, their linebacker who single-handedly basically made every single tackle in that game from what I watched. You know, The stat line says he made 14 of them, which is just ridiculous. And then, you know, he forced the fumble at the end of the game that led to the game-winning field goal. So Oregon themselves, you know, didn't look overly impressive to me. But his performance was a huge standout and was, you know, a big part of their ability to win that football game. Yeah, yeah, no doubt there. Um, Can't argue with any of those points. I mean, both your players were, were solid picks. As much as I hated to see DTR do what he did, he did play a hell of a game. Eric? Bring us in with your picks. Uh, offensively, I got to go with uh, Bijan Robinson, who almost single-handedly ruined my my upset special. Uh, he had 20 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown, and uh, four receptions for another 73 yards and a score. So in you know third quarter when Louisiana's trying to come back in that game, he was he was the guy they went to 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 just keep moving chains and and have productive drives with points at the end and really never got let Louisiana get within I think eight points was the closest they got in the second half maybe 12 he was a big part of them kind of salting that one away and then running away with it towards the end Uh, defensively Jermaine Johnson from Florida State he had eight tackles two sacks tackle for loss and then two quarterback hurries you know I know Florida State didn't win but without him I don't you know they don't get to overtime that they don't even get a, a probably an opportunity to kick a field goal for overtime I mean he could have 
he could have had his mail forwarded to Notre Dame's backfield. I mean, he was he was all over the place, and uh, <laughs> you know that game was eighteen. They were down eighteen going into the fourth quarter, and you know came, came back to tie it because Notre Dame could do nothing in the fourth quarter. He was all over the place, so he he's my pick. It's good picks. Um, just to round us off real quick before we move to the next segment, defensively, I'll, I'll start there first. Man, Raleigh Moss, did you see his game for Iowa? Not one, but two pick sixes. Yeah, those were daggers. It's not man. like they were playing anybody. I mean, Indiana's a—they're not a slouch in the in that in that conference. And for him to do what he did, I mean, they would have lost the game without him, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but offensively, another player that this game would have been uh, just a they would have been taken out to the woodshed and completely embarrassed had Kayshawn Butte of LSU not hauled in nine catches for 148 yards and three touchdowns. Yes, I'm a homer, but he put that offense on his back, literally. I mean, the next closest receiver had 47 yards and the leading rusher had 31 yards. So thank you, Kayshawn Butte, for saving us some sort of dignity in that embarrassing loss. Yeah, Homer or not, that that kid had a great game, man. The most glaring thing I saw about LSU was that he is their only difference maker on the offensive side. I'm not going to draw conclusions from one game. I mean, it is what it is. It sucked. We sucked. In Max Johnson's credit, we I did run him into the muck. He did have 330 yards passing, and he, he did throw three touchdowns, and he should have thrown a second pick. I'm not going to completely write off LSU yet. I think UCLA is better than most people thought they would be. Yeah, I, I think that's that loss, what I'm saying this week. I think that loss gets a lot less embarrassing as the season goes on, most likely. I fucking hope so. I, I, th- I think still... you'll get to week 10 and be like, you know what, that's not so bad. I think this is a quality team we lost to on the road. Yeah, LSU better be cheering for UCLA every week. I mean, for sure. That kind of This UCLA team is kind of raining on my my hopes of, of USC coming out of the, the Pac-12, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. This conversation's going nowhere. Moving on, let's go to our, our next segment here. This is going to be our our interesting segment and most entertaining, in my opinion, but the, the week one picks. We kind of alluded to it earlier, but Jason... We made picks week one? Did we do that? Well, we did. Uh, whether we made good picks is debatable. So I'm going to start from the bottom and just run through these real quick. Uh, remember the, the scoring for these. Uh, if you called the line or the spread, you get a point. And if you call the upset upset alert, you get two points. So Jason took LSU winning by by three and a half or basically winning by four points. And that obviously didn't happen. Took Oklahoma two lane. He bet the under, which didn't happen to most everyone's surprise. UCF, you had them at negative five and a half. Didn't happen. And you picked Indiana to upset Iowa, which we just covered. Also didn't happen. Jason, what happened this week? <laughs> well, I think I... Uh... I think I came out. Were you under the influence? I think I came out a little bit too, a little bit too confident. I went two and zero in our, uh, you know, set up practice week and uh, week zero. Came out a little brash, confident, and uh, proceeded to take, uh, you know, four straight stone cold stunners to the face. So, hey man, just because the New York Jets come out and go four and zero in the preseason doesn't mean they're Super Bowl contenders, man. <laughs> so now the Jets still fucking suck. Yeah. So, um. I think it's uh, an interesting start, but you know I'm I'm confident. I'm still confident. I'm not down in the dumps over here. It's a, uh, you know, I took some risky bets, and uh, you know you gotta take your punches when they come your way, man. So I'm still pumped up. I've uh, I've got some good picks to make up for it. I feel like I'm gonna get back to 
even this week. Let's just be honest. All four of us clowns are liable to go zero and four any week. Well, I think a lot. Yeah, of, no, we'll all get our turn. Yeah. I think a lot of people went zero and four in week one. I mean, Jesus! If you bet on Washington to cover against Montana, I feel bad for you. <laughs> well, I bet you a lot of people did. Washington fans, anyway. I'm sure. Uh, we'll we'll move on to Eric. Eric, you uh you received one point this week when you called the uh, the under for the uh, North Carolina Virginia Tech. The, it was at sixty four and a half. You nailed that one. Uh, Notre Dame, though, you had them at negative seven and a half. So you had Notre Dame winning by eight points. Uh, obviously, didn't happen. They won by a field goal. Louisville, Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss jumped all over Louisville out of the gate. You bet the over and just missed it. And your upset alert, as we mentioned previously, UL Lafayette did not beat Texas. What happened with you this week, Eric? Okay, so the only one of those I really regret is giving Louisiana way too much credit. Well, not way too much, but too much credit and not giving Texas. If I was here last week, I would have talked you out of this. Yeah, really my, my fatal mistake there was not giving Texas, in particular their coach and their quarterback, nearly enough credit. So that's the only one I really regret. Um, you know, yeah, I mean Notre Dame at negative seven and a half. I mean that's you've been a fool to not pick right. That. I mean, that's you know that's I mean? the other thing. My other two bets, I you know, I looked at it as more just a bad result, not a bad process. Like I, I mean, yep. who who would have? I don't know anybody honestly that would have picked Florida State to cover that. Um, no, that was like a fool's bet. We were all joking at the line last week. Like, what the fuck's going on with this? We all thought I had the easiest one point in the world, and then the what was the last. Oh yeah. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Old Miss game, Louisville just simply didn't hold up their end of the bargain. I guess really, I mean they were terrible, and I I turned it off at halftime, uh, and they had scored zero points. Now, as far as my over under, that ended up being a lot closer than I thought. I think they had total out to like sixty eight or sixty nine, but it was twenty three or twenty six to nothing at halftime. I was like, man, these guys aren't going to come close. Louisville just, man, they looked rough, and they unfortunately for my over under pick don't appear to have cleaned up the turnover issue as much as I'd hoped. I don't think we forgot you took the over on Louisville winning, you know, their Vegas total this year. Don't don't think we forgot about that. Yeah, oh, I know. boy who threw like 47 picks last year. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> you guys kill me. Yeah. The uh... <laughs> We'll move on to my picks real quick. Uh, I did earn three points this week, and I was a half a point away from a fourth point. I did miss on the UCLA LSU over at 65 and a half when the total was 65. Missed that one. I did get Alabama at 18 and um, USC San Jose State didn't quite get there. I was actually way off on that one. The over under, I had them at 59 and a half. I was well short of that. Samsonite. Although I was way off. (laughs) Way off. And uh, did call the, and it wasn't really much of an upset alert. Really, this this game could have gone either way, as we as we all saw. But I think Clemson was the favorite. I just had faith in that Georgia defense and Kirby Smart to get it done. And uh, low scoring as it was, I appreciate a good defensive battle in college football, and that was a great watch. Um, so I did get my two points from there, bringing me to second place for the week with three points or for the season rather. Um, Timmy. Currently in first place. And I got to say, Timmy, when I listen to the podcast, I listened to it just before we recorded this. I've been so busy. I wanted to get up to speed. These guys owe you a fucking apology, man. You're goddamn right. You took a shellacking for your picks last week and you nailed every single one of them except for the Ohio State at 14. 
And that was a bold pick in my opinion, because you know, that it wasn't a slouch that they played, you know, that, that game could have been, it could have easily been a blowout. They could have put on the style points, but you know, they still played solid. The defense wasn't quite where I thought it would be, but what do you got to say about your picks? Yeah, and that Ohio State game kind of chaps my ass because it was a push to boot, man. It's like they hit right on yep. 14. So if they just, you know, yep. got another field goal or something. I would like to interject there, and I feel like I almost should give you credit for it because if, you know, depending on what website you were looking at or what betting platform or what point of the week, you might have got it at 13 and a half. And I, if it's 13 and a half, I know you would have, you know, taken that, obviously. So. I mean, you, you almost. I, I feel like you almost should get a point there, but you know, bottom well, line. Well, no, I mean, we all agreed to the same website and the yeah. same spreads at the same time, so I mean, that's fair. But you know, I kind of go uh, all gas, no break with my picks. You know, I live bold, and uh, they didn't let me down this week. And uh, I was a little bit iffy on calling Chip Kelly and the Bruins to come out on top, but. I went with my gut and I hung with it, man. Let's be honest. You did it just to chap my ass. No, maybe 60%. Maybe 60%. <laughs> well, we're going to we're gonna try to get back, um, you know, since we're going in a round-robin format. I feel like a complete idiot because I mentioned him on the podcast last week and I didn't take him against my better judgment. I should have. Liberty, they covered again. They're the University of Residual Income. And right now, they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Troy on the road. So give me liberty or give me death. I'm going to take them until they don't cover, <laughs> period. That's all I got to say about it. I just got one question for you, man. When are you and Hugh Freeze getting married? <laughs> hey, man. I mean, if the guy keeps handing me money, he's done everything but hand me a you know, university cell phone with a call girl on the other end. Jesus. Well, it's coming. Check's in the mail. <laughs> Hey man, uh, you know you gotta. I, I'm going back to the whale on that one. You gotta stick with what works. I didn't even look. What did mm. they win by against the Fighting Camels of Campbell University? I think it was forty-eight <laughs> to seven. Okay, so yeah, way way past because they were they were what like twenty-two or something, right? Well, they started as twenty-two and it got all the way up to thirty-five before the game started. But yeah, they okay, won that like makes a lot more sense. Seven, so. I heard uh, Campbell College has got a uh, five-star kicker from Camden County in negotiations for commitment. Uh, Unfortunately, no, or his ass would be on a bus, but moving on. (laughs) All right, Eric, who's your first pick? Uh, My first pick? Week two. uh, I'm going to take Iowa at Iowa State under 46. Um, This is is the one line out there looking through the schedule that I really, really like. You know, Iowa's won the last three in this matchup by 13 total points. Uh, last year, Iowa led the country in scoring drives allowed, 18.7%, and fewest explosive plays allowed. Iowa State last year allowed 3.3 yards a carry on the ground. This is usually a close matchup, and it's usually low scoring, right? The, the last two games were 16 and 35 points total. Six of the last nine have been six points or fewer, so it's going to be a close game, and I, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be something like a you know, 2014, 17-13 type game. So give me the under uh, under 46 on Iowa at Iowa State. I got to ask Eric a question. Where the f*** do you come up with these stats? You hanging <laughs> out with Marty McFly and the DeLorean? You got Gray's Sports Almanac in your back pocket over there? What the f*** is this? It's well known he's the most prepared on the podcast. Let's move on. 100%. 100%. Yep. Nobody's going to argue with that one. Well, my first pick, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bet. I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to go with 
Ohio State. Who are they playing? Them at 14 and a half. I think they cover that. The Ducks. Oh. Yeah, that one could get ugly. Oregon did not look good last week. Yeah, they were not impressive. And I, I don't I don't have the fancy stats from the Google search engine that is Eric Mulher. And they've got working against him, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. He's questionable yeah, he for the game. he might not play. Yeah, he may, he may not even play. So, if he doesn't play. Oregon's got a long list of injuries. Is that game in the horseshoe? Yes. Oh, chalk him up. Game's already over. Timmy, who are you going with? First pick. Uh, my first pick's going to be uh, UVA in Illinois. Uh, Virginia is a 10-point favorite. I ain't buying that shit for a dollar. You know, I have absolutely no faith in Brendan Armstrong, their quarterback. You know, he threw for like 340 and two touchdowns last week against William & Mary. Good fucking job, golf clap week, man. But against real Division One talent, I'm predicting the 58 percentage completion rate and 11 interception Brandon Armstrong from last year. And you know, I, I like Illinois to cover this. Jason made me a be- made me a believer in Belima. You realize Illinois lost to UTSA last week. Well, they got better players than William and Mary. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just saying the honeymoon is over with Bielma. It's over. Yeah, well, not against freaking Bronco, Mendenhall, and UVA. Uh, Illinois will cover this. Right, take it to the bank. Okay. Mm. Can't argue with Timmy, man. Jason, give me your second one. All right, second pick. Uh, I'm going to go to the Service Academy game that we've got happening this week, Air Force and Navy. I've actually got two plays on this game, but the one I feel more, more confident about, I'm going to take Air Force at six and a half. I, you know, last year, Air Force just completely and utterly demolished them. Uh, now, that being said, the home team has won eight straight games in this series and is 7-1 and one against the spread. So that doesn't bode well for my pick, but I would rather take that than take the under, which the service academies, um, if you were to bet the under every year for the last 30 years, you would hit on your bet 80% of the time. The total right now is at 40 and a half. It's moved four points. And when it's done that, the last, I think it's the last 15 games, when it's done that, the under has hit 15 and 0. So, did it move up or down? Yeah. Oh, it moved down. It, it started okay. out at 44 and a half. It's down to 40 and a half. So, yeah. okay. I would probably take the under, but I feel more confident that Air Force changes it up and gets a win on the road. It's on the, um, it's on 9 11, the anniversary of 9 11. But, you know, give me, give me Air Force minus six and a half because, man, Navy, they got stroked last week. They're not a good football team. I, I don't like it. So give me Air Force. I think they cover a touchdown. Well, I just woke up from that one. Sorry. T- talking about that game kind of put me to sleep a little bit, but good luck on that pick. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> The chair force, Eric. Uh, second one, I would have been a lot less sure of this game three weeks ago, but I feel really good about Michigan minus six and a half at home against Washington. I would feel good about it too if they, you know, since they just lost to Montana. Which, which correct me if I'm wrong, isn't Montana a good team? Don't they like challenge for the FCS title every year? Yeah, they're very good FCS school. Okay, all right, just making sure they weren't but, like some kind of walk around dumpster fire. But yeah, so, I like so that. Pick. You're saying Harbaugh is going to flex the khakis on them? I think he's going to flex them hard enough to win by more than a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Harbaugh's going to flex those khakis so hard they're going to knock the pleats out of them. Well, Eric, you, I was going to make that pick. So what I'm going to do here, instead of making the same pick as you, I'm going to take the over, which right now, 50 and a half. So I think that's easily achieved in this game. You got. Did you see the score of the Washington game? Yes, but 
I, I just refuse to believe that Washington is that bad. I've been wrong before, but I mean, 50 points, I'm taking the over. That, to me, that's easy. Michigan might score 40 by themselves. That's what I'm saying. It, whether it, Let's just say Washington is that bad. If they are, Michigan's probably going to hang 60 because Jim Harbaugh's playing for his career right here. He needs all the points he can get, especially competing with Ohio State. Yeah. Either way, if, if Washington is completely terrible, then that means the defense is going to get gassed and Michigan State's going to run amok. So anyways, I got him at 50 and a half. Timmy, round off the second one. All right. I'm taking uh, Pitt and Tennessee. The uh, over-under set at 56 and a half, and I'm taking the over. Uh, I don't like either of these teams' defenses, and I'm calling a shootout, man. Kenny Pickett signed that kid up for six touchdowns this week. You know, only four Jesus. of which will be for his team. Two will go the <laughs> other way to the house, so that'll contribute to my over. But uh, definitely like the over on this game, man. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, round three. Eric, give me your uh, your third pick. Oh, it's my turn already. Um, I went back and forth between two games, and I don't love either of them but i think i will take miami minus eight over appalachian state hmm. that one could be interesting yeah that's of my three that's the one i feel the least good about just i don't think we know enough about miami based on a game against alabama as far as how good they are how good they aren't i'm just gonna kind of Derek king didn't look great i don't think we know a lot about a lot of teams after this week i mean to me there's just a lot of games that just were so lopsided and didn't go the way we thought they would go the only teams that I can say we really know a lot about and aren't surprised by is Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. Outside of that, I'm kind of just, mm, I mean, is Ohio State that good? Is, is Minnesota good? You know, I, I don't know. But my, my, my number three pick, this one, I'm sorry, Timmy, but I think it covers the 20-point spread. Oh, man. Against Virginia Tech. <laughs> You're going to say that. The Hokies are going to chokies this year. Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm I'm saying that the Hokies are going to are going to win. Well, no, that's what I mean. Is it'd be a closer affair, and you wouldn't be wrong historically. But Virginia Tech I is think, the king of playing down to their competition and let, hey, let down games. Hey, you ain't you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. Yeah, it, but it's a two horse race between them and USC. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Got to throw some shade in USC's direction there. We can we can edit that. It's fine. I don't know. After watching their defense last week, man, uh, yeah, they had Sam Howell running for his life. So I don't know what Middle Tennessee's got going on on their offensive line, but their quarterback could be living on his back all week. We'll see. You skipped. You skipped over me on my number three pick. By the way, I thought I did go to you. Give me Kentucky minus five at home against Mizzou. Kentucky's air raid offense seems to be working. Will Levis threw it all over the field. Mizzou struggled with Central Michigan. They're going on the road to Kentucky. Give me Stoops at minus five. I like that one. Write it down. I actually like that. I like that pick. I didn't even think to look at that game. Okay. I didn't skip over anybody else. Timmy, before we do our, our upset alerts of the week, give me your third pick. All right. I got next up on the docket. Boston College and UMass. Boston Ugh. College is favored by 30. There's actually a line on that? Yeah, 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 yeah. 37 and a half points, Boston College is a favorite. <laughs> oh my God. And, uh, I'm taking BC to cover that. You know, Ooh. UMass got utterly destroyed by Pitt last week, 51 to 7. And Boston College hung 51 on Colgate. So, you know, UMass is in the same realm as both of those teams. Yeah, they're Colgate-ish. Yeah. And uh, BC's got Phil Jerkovich, and he's a, he's a much better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. So 
This one could have a 60 burger written all over it. So I like the 37 and a half. I'll take it to the bank. It's a bold pick. Wow. All right. Well, it is It is time. This is a longer than the normal episode. Week one, we, we unpack quite a bit. But Jason, who have you got on upset alert? Oh, man. Well, we didn't discuss these previous, so I may end up taking Timmy's pick here. But I uh, doubt it. But man, give me South Carolina on the road at East Carolina. I don't know why the fuck they're playing at east carolina you taking east carolina as the upset no south carolina's an underdog they're a two and a half point underdog going on the road to east carolina i got them as a as a favorite because i took no, they, ECU they as opened, my upset pick they they opened as a favorite and the line swung four points today yeah they opened as a one and a half point favorite and the line God is moved damn it. now they're a two and a half point dog i looked at it yesterday fuck yeah so give me South Carolina to go on the road and beat them. I mean, if you're an SEC team and you can't go on the road and beat East Carolina, you got no fucking business playing football. So unless you're Vanderbilt, of course. Um, so give me that. I think that, I mean, if they don't win that game, then you can write South Carolina off the rest of the season. I mean, they. I know they're not very good. But that grad assistant they stuck in at quarterback through four touchdowns looked pretty good. So give me South Cadillac to go on the road and upset East Carol- East Carolina. Mm. Okay, it's uh, that's kind of a safe pick. I would say, I would say based on the on the, the line swing is working in your favor there. But uh, well, you got to play it safe when you go zero and four in week one. You know, ain't no doubt. I wouldn't know what that's like though, Eric. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give me your upset pit of the week. Uh, I debated for almost a full day between two that I don't like very much at all, but I got to pick one. So uh, Iowa is a four and a half point dog at Iowa State. So that is, that, that's the possible underdog pick I hate the least, I guess. Maybe is the best way to say it. I, I don't say that with any real confidence, but uh, they have won the last five, um, even though they've all been close games. Iowa, I guess. Man, so you got two plays on that game, an upset and an over. Yeah, I and I didn't really want the second one, but there's just I didn't see anything else out there I liked. Hmm. I'll tell you which one I liked is the, the Mormon Bowl. I got BYU upset in Utah. Oh, my God. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think it's happening. I think Utah's overrated. They didn't pass my eyeball test. BYU, take it to the bank. Utah's won the last uh, five Don't in a give a row? shit what happened last year. Doesn't matter. Brigham Young, son. It's coming. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Timmy, who, who, who's losing this week? Well, I got to collect myself because I'm still looking at this line, and I still see on this website that Jason sent out is South Carolina's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, one-and-a-half-point favorite where it says open. Go over to the right. No, no, no. It, it's it's right there to the right of it, too, is the consensus. Are you looking oh, on the same you? website we're looking at? I'm sitting here looking at it right it now. Opened, it opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and it says right now the current is still one-and-a-half yeah. for South Carolina. Oh, then it swung back. So it, it swung, swung back. back. <laughs> well, motherfuck. <laughs> well, how about we yeah. just take a uh, an even line on this game, and we'll both get credit. <laughs> If you're taking South Carolina, I was going to take ECU because them boys can play a little bit of ball. And, you know, that grad assistant you were talking about, yeah, he threw four touchdowns last week, but I don't even know who they played, but it wasn't anybody worth even mentioning. And I think he's going to come back down to orbit this week and 
like I said, them ECU boys, uh, they're no slouch, man. Hmm. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to move away from that. You can have that one. I'll let you have it. I'm going to move away from it. Give me Arkansas to upset Texas. Oh. Holy <laughs> fuck. Give me Arky. Are you serious? Give me Arky at home to upset <sighs> the Longhorns. Based on? Based on a freshman quarterback going into an SEC stadium. It's going to be rocking. Arkansas, they had a rough start in the first quarter. They were down to Rice, and then they scored 38 straight to win and cover. So, so Texas opened as a four-and-a-half-point favorite since the line has swung to Texas being a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Even in the face of that, you're still going to pick Arkansas for the upset. Hey, man, it's an upset pick. But, you know, they don't have to cover that. I mean, I'm not, you know, this is a bold pick, you know. Give me Arky to upset Texas. I got half a mind to say Troy upsets Liberty, but I'm not going to do that to you. Yeah, well, the way my luck's gone so far this season, probably so. But, I mean, let's be realistic. This week's bunch of games, it's a dumpster fire. There's no good games. So, I mean, some of these games, we're just spitballing. Well, that is going to wrap us up for the week. Uh, Anybody have any closing statements they want to make before we seal this deal up? Yeah, I got one. Take on week two. Hunter, you and I got unfinished business. Uh-oh. You you weren't on last week, and we were supposed to set the terms of your bet. Are you ready to accept them? Depending on the terms. <laughs> so here are the terms. I'm going to let you wear whatever LSU apparel you would like to wear in this picture. But you have to hold up a sign, and that sign has to say, the Jordan Jefferson is a better quarterback than Joe Burrow, and I don't care who sees it. <laughs> and then you got to tweet that picture to the official LSU Twitter page, and we have free reign to retweet and tag and do whatever we want in it. You must think I'm dumb. Well, what's the stipulation? That's if that's if USC runs the table and wins the Pac-12, like you called them to do. Yes. If USC hmm. is the Pac-12 champion at the end of the year, you win the bet. Okay, you're on. All right, book it. God damn it. <laughs> you know that, that line from Pulp Fiction where they talk about pride, that little pain in the back of your neck? <laughs> I'm feeling it right now. God damn it. This isn't going to age well. I hate Jordan <laughs> Jefferson. Oh, we know it. I still get haunted by him. We talked about him today, actually, at work, but that's, that's another story. That's another podcast that nobody would want to listen to because he sucks. We suck. Um... Anyways, yeah, you're on. Fuck it. Anybody else want to pile on some unproportionate bets my way before we close out the podcast? No, I'm good. I can't top that. I'm going to come up with something for Timmy after uh, Virginia Tech fails to cover this spread. All right, bring it. (laughs) All right, well, Jason, you want to tell the people where they can follow us, get in touch with us? Yeah, and before I do that, I would like to just touch on one line real quick. Um, Does anybody think that uh, Nebraska covers 13.5 against Buffalo? Anybody? Nope. Nope. Not touching that. Give me Buffalo with the points (laughs) later, Scott. (laughs) But uh, anyway, (laughs) no. um, Yeah, social media. Yeah, you guys can find us on Twitter, at South End Zone Pod. Hit us up. Let us know what you think about our bets, how trash they are in week one and week two, and let us know what your bets are. We'll uh, take them and roast you when they don't hit, or we'll tell you how awesome you are and how much smarter you are than us. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review on iTunes, five stars only, please. does a tremendous amount for the show. It helps us grow. It helps us 
get more content out to you guys. Uh, once again, thanks for coming in. And we'll see you next week. Spectacular group of men. You go find them. You throw your arms around them. You give them a big kiss on the mouth if you're a girl. Mm-hmm.